A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, a whole lot of stories were told. Seriously, it's hard to keep track of everything in the Star Wars universe. Through films, comic books, TV shows, novels, and much, much more, sorting out what is legend, what is canon, and which stories are told from a certain point of view can be a bit tough. We're here to help you sort through that mess and to stay up to date with what's going on in the galaxy. So sit tight, strap in, grab your favorite co-pilot if you want to, and get ready to make the jump to light speed. Ladies, gentlemen, Wookiees of all ages, these are the Holocron Chronicles. Welcome to the Holocron Chronicles. My name is Mark the Canardian. I'm joined, as always, by my trusty co-pilot, Charlie Carden. Charlie, how are you today? Oh, living on planet Hoth. We're getting <laughs> snow on top of snow and frigid temperatures. I did. I put a, a Facebook post out today uh, of, uh, you know, Luke on a tauntaun from distance. And I said, actual footage of me running to Walgreens. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. And it's funny because we... Uh, we had a mild winter the last couple of years, and mm -hmm. uh, and the, the we had an old guy the season before that who was doing uh, plow work. He's just an older dude just in his truck, and he would back it up and do it. And we came into it like mid-season because it was such a dead season, and it was it was cheap. Then he quit doing it, and he had to deal with these big companies. They're like, nope, $300. Doesn't matter if we come <laughs> once or we come never. Uh, just give us the money. So we just said, hey, you know, screw you. Um, and so I was out there. On Sunday, chip and ice, like, oh, I wish I had a damn lightsaber. It was <laughs> vicious. Yeah, I wish mine worked that way to, to cut through some snow. We have been having a really mild winter up here as well. I know anyone that hears is, uh, you know, Canada, and it's like, uh, I live in an igloo and whatever. But uh, we, we've had, like, one snowfall, snowstorm kind of thing. That was a week ago today. Uh, we're supposed to, like I mentioned before we started recording, get some freezing rain tomorrow. But uh, – what 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 are you guys at temperature wise? We're at like minus four Celsius, which is about 24, 25 uh, Fahrenheit. So how how are you guys down there we, temperature wise? We were single digits, and again Fahrenheit, uh, and then potentially creeping up in the teens. So yeah, that was my big mark yesterday. I, I said to said to the wife, I was like, I'm gonna wait till about two or three o'clock because that's the warmest we're gonna get today. 16 degrees. That's gonna. Uh, oh, I was out there, double gloves, like quadruple layer. Two different hoods, a hat, a uh, scarf covering my face. I still had to – oh, I had single gloves. I had to come in and put on a second pair of gloves because I couldn't feel my fingertips. It was not wow. a good time. It was very hot. Yeah, it, very it hot. Was, uh, well, yeah, no, it, it was really sunny here today, uh, you know, m relative like zero, uh, which, was, which was fine. Um, like Finn and I went for a nice walk. It was oh, it was awesome. sunny out. It was nice. <laughs> so, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Well, anyway, so, uh, this this weather chat heats is, up a bit. This weather chat is absolutely fascinating. We do this on we do this with <laughs> Todd, with Todd on SFU because he loves to talk about the weather. Alex and I always talk about the weather because he is in 
northern Michigan. He's about two and a half hours north of here. In Michigan, mm-hmm. by the way, there are no mileage distances. We describe everything in uh, travel time. So he's two and a half hours. Yeah, he's two yep. and a half hours from here. And they tend to get, when they get snow, they get a shit ton of snow. But mm-hmm. in his particular little corner, he's out of a system or whatever. So, But we always end up talking about the weather at the beginning of our show. It's the weirdest thing. But anyway. Well, I, I like how you, I mean, we tied it into Star Wars. You said it was Hoth-like. So, I mean, I, I, think, it, I think it works. But yeah, let's uh, let's get into episode six. Yes, please. Uh, we, uh, we're going to leave some Twitter stuff for the end. We'll explain that later. So let's jump right into some Holonet news flash. Uh, what is going on in the world of Star Wars, specifically in the world of The Mandalorian, mm. Cara Dune, WTF. You want to jump in on this one, Charlie? You know, I'm telling you, this was an obvious case of uh, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It was the final nail in the coffin. Uh, Gina, Car- I, I keep wanting to call her Gina Carino. Gina Carano uh, is is uh, she is a, she's a Texan. She's a very outspoken conservative. And you know what? There's there's something to be said for the fact that he, you know, this is a free country. Free mm-hmm. speech uh, is protected by the First Amendment uh, to our Constitution here in America. And I have nothing but the respect for that. I was a journalist in the first part of my life. I believe in freedom of the press. That being said, for the last at least year, she has been an ardent uh, spokesperson against masking. Mm-hmm. She's been an ardent spokesperson against uh, vaccines um, and unrepentant, just continuing yep. to blast away much like her idol, I'm assuming, or the idol of the GOP and conservatives everywhere, Donald Trump, mm-hmm. just for nothing, for lack of anything at all, just blasting away and just keep, you know, whether she was being cautioned or coached privately to tone it down or not, it really made no difference because she just kept going. Where her most recent yeah. comparison, like I said, the straw that broke the camel's back, the last nail in the coffin, uh, was a tweet last week that compared uh, the GOP, uh, the Republican Party, uh, to Jews in the Holocaust. Yep. And let me tell you something <laughs> that uh, I think this is something I said at the time at no case when you're trying to make an argument for anything, should you be bringing in Jews who died in the Holocaust? There, yeah. there, there is no end game where you're going to say, Hmm, that really, you, you really made your point for me and didn't sound like a complete asshole. So that was promptly followed by a statement from Disney slash Lucasfilm that she was no longer employed by the company. Yep. Um, the, the, uh, I was going to say the, uh, the internet blew up. Our group secret friends blew up when I shared the story. There are people that want to argue for her. It's the same people, uh, that I, I think argue having Donald Trump eliminated from Twitter was censorship, which it is not. And you're obvious, obviously those of us who are in the know and can be somewhat objective about it, a private company sets their own rules for usership the same way employers set their own rules for conduct for employees. So she was an employee of Disney Lucasfilm. She uh, was repeatedly doing things that were very detrimental to the mission statement of the company, to the brand, and she was removed from the playing field, which was their right. It is not censorship. Mm -hmm. She can continue to go on there and knock herself out talking about whatever the hell she wants. Disney just doesn't have to pay her to do it. And that's what happened. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I I work for a Ford dealership. If I get a big Chevy logo tattooed across my forehead, <laughs> my employee or my employer has the the full right to say, 
sorry, bro, you can't work here anymore. Now, I'm perfectly in my rights to go get that tattoo. I can walk around anywhere in public with that tattoo. But the second I go to work, that tattoo becomes an issue. Uh, And again, I don't know why this needs to be brought up, but the tattoo is not nearly as bad as comparing yourself to Jewish people during the Holocaust. Uh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I got into a fight on Twitter about this, and I'm going to say wrecked a couple of friendships or very long-time acquaintances uh, with this. So it's 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 not something that I take lightly, but I, I had to make a stand about this one because it was just – like you said, it's just one of those things that you don't do. I don't care how bad it feels to be a Republican right now or to have certain views right now or whatever. Like, you're not being hunted down as a group. You're not actually dying as a group. You're not being, you know, wrangled by Nazis and, like, we, we know what happens, or most of us, I think, intelligent people know what happened during the Holocaust. To compare anyone to that right now, like, especially— Or ever. I mean, come or on. Or ever. Like, that, that part is just—and people kept trying to defend her, and it's like, if you're trying to defend her, go away. I don't need right. you in my life. Right. Just stop. So if if you're listening right now and that's how you feel, um, bye. I don't want to hear it anymore. It's it's the same thing when Alex and I are talking about uh, over on our Star Trek podcast. I mean, Star Trek itself is rooted in diversity. It's rooted mm-hmm. in the concept of IDIC or infinite diversity and infinite combinations. I mean, in the current show, they have uh, a transgendered actor and a transgendered character. And there are some people who can't handle it, which mm-hmm. is just which is just completely anti to the just very opposite of the process of what makes the show so special. So again, Star Wars is uh, essentially a movie for kids, but it is about uh, the battle against tyranny and uh, the fight for freedom. That's really what certainly that original trilogy was all about. That's really what mm-hmm. they were trying to accomplish. So for someone to take a stance where, you're bringing into that things that are sensibly very evil and things that are detrimental to human life. Uh, how does that fit? Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. fit in any way, shape or form near as I can tell. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know, I, I liked another, we'll say female, strong female character in, in star Wars, uh, the character of Cara Dune, um, actor aside and politics aside, I, I thought it was kind of neat. It wasn't, you know, she wasn't a princess. She did not need rescuing. She kicked just as much ass or more than any other male in the show. And that was cool. But Star Wars has a long history of female characters who kick a ton of ass. We've talked about many of them here. We're going to keep talking about many of them. And whether Cara Dune gets replaced uh, as an actor and that character lives on or they replace it with uh, a different character or whatever, um, I think this is the right move. If you disagree, like I said, I don't really want to hear about it anymore. So uh, I don't know if you're ready to move on. Let's move on. Yeah, uh, if please. you have anything more to say, let's uh, let's finish it. 
I, you know, I do not. But yeah, let's move on to talk about something that is uh, certainly a little bit more fun to deal with. And that's talking Ooh. about uh, what happened in Star Wars in the month of January 2021, kicking off the year, the recovery to 2020. Uh, mm. First and foremost, we had my favorite uh, current Star Wars publication, which would be the prime Star Wars title. We hit the double digits this month. This is issue 10. Um, we got a storyline uh, where we're continuing Operation Starlight that we talked about last month. Uh, reeling from the loss of one of their own, the Rebels finally see a path forward. The Rebels attempt a new communication code that the Empire will never be able to crack. Uh, in, hopes never. That they might, in hopes that they might be able to safely reunite their scattered, scattered fleet and rejoin the fight. However, the code has a cost, one that Lando is not willing to pay. Meanwhile, Starlight Squadron, the elite group of pilots tasked with uh, finding the scattered divisions of the fleet, heads out on its first deadly mission. I'm loving on this because, you know, yep. you, have a, you have a Star Wars story that is not being driven by the holy trinity of Han, Luke, and Leia. Mm -hmm. Leia's there. Luke is elsewhere. Okay. I, I, I believe he's off doing his own thing. I don't know that we saw him at all. Uh, and I would have to, and again, I read this last month, so I, I page for page, I don't remember all the details, but... Mm -hmm. We are really focusing on a core new group of characters. I mean, this is something I think that even even Todd Oxtra would enjoy because he's the one who's always like, well, Star Wars is just I'm so sick of the rebel era and blah, blah, blah. And it's always the same this and that. I'm like, this is really great. They're focused on uh, X-Wings, like an mm -hmm. X-Wing squadron and like an elite cadre of soldiers. You do have a tie uh, to Poe Dameron, who is probably my favorite character in the sequel trilogy. I really dug mm -hmm. him because, you know, X-Wings are my thing. Uh, when it comes to Star Wars, out there doing their deal. But yeah, you got uh, you got Lando, uh, you know, fighting for the, the sake of Lobot, uh, who he rescued in the previous issue. Um, mm -hmm. and, and again, I really like the I like the tonal shift uh, of looking at their other characters to see contemporary events within that time frame. Through that, I like very much. So again, my my story of the month. I absolutely. It's like they're not missing any shots. There hasn't been a duffer issue of this. Uh, I call it volume two because that's easier, but really it's Marvel volume three. This is a great read, great read and very close to my favorite of the month. But I have a slightly different favorite of the month, which uh, which break it down for uh, me. What you got? That was cool. Yeah. So uh, we got the High Republic launched this month. And uh, they they launched a few different things, but the first off the the first one that we'll talk about anyway is the High Republic number one. This is a brand new comic series, and uh, so the the first issue uh, started before the Skywalker saga, the Golden Age of the Jedi. So this is uh, how many years before the everything? I know two, there was a breakdown two, of this. Two hundred ish. Two hundred. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so the, the little summary then, uh, a new era of Star Wars storytelling begins. It is centuries before the Skywalker saga. The Jedi are at their height, protecting the galaxy as Republic pioneers push out into new territories. As the frontier prepares for the dedication of the majestic Starlight Beacon, Padawan Keeve Trennis faces the ultimate choice. Will she complete her Jedi trials or rescue the innocent from disaster? New Jedi, new ships, new evil to fight. I thought this was badass as hell. Showed a Padawan, showed the 
Jedi Master showed a little bit about what was tying into the novel, and we'll talk about the novels later. Uh, this this was fantastic. If you know me, you know I love Jedi. I love lightsabers. Getting any any more of that lore is awesome. And uh, I thought this one was great. You see this Padawan trying to face a trial. And uh, I mean, the, the summary kind of said, like, you know, will she complete her Jedi trials or rescue the innocents from disaster? It was really like one pain of like, yeah, no, screw this. I'm saving these people. Exactly. And she it, just which, went for it. Which is, of course, really an allegory to real life. I mean, the the real trials of living is living. It's not mm-hmm. something you find in a book or some obstacle course you have to complete or some, you know, little puzzle you got to solve. It's just, it's just living, you know, it's yeah. making, it's making choices and, and making the right ones. And that in and of itself is what took this Padawan the rest of the distance. So that, that I yeah. did like very much. Yeah. And I, I loved how, uh, you know, she, <laughs> they, they, they weren't really letting her in on things. Like she thought she was in trouble after she went off, she destroyed a ship. Uh, she did all this stuff on herself while her master's just kind of standing there waiting for her to just basically climb up this really tall mountain and receive a flag or whatever. And, uh, you know, she thinks she epically just muffed this whole thing up and she keeps cursing and stuff. So like instantly I'm connected to this character of like, this person can't keep their mouth shut. They're just doing whatever they want to do and like whatever they think is right. And they're, you know, shoot first, ask questions later, but they think they're doing the right thing. And then they start to doubt themselves afterwards. But you find out in the end that she is no longer a Padawan. They take the lightsaber, they cut off the little blade and they do the ceremony, which I think is the first time we've really seen this, ceremony in any kind of medium Uh, correct me if i'm wrong i feel like it happened in the guinea tartakovsky uh uh, clone war shorts with anakin right and i would have to go back yeah but no longer canon correct so that's kind of a yes or a no and and yeah because they yeah exactly i absolutely know it said in the in the you know for the grand uh, you know for the jedi order in the grand army of the republic you are a jedi knight womp but yes exactly it's not canon Mm -hmm. so it's a yes or a no and the uh, the you know the 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 frame where she's kind of holding up her lightsaber, all the other Jedi Knights and Masters are holding up their lightsabers. Her dedication ceremony, you can see the tears in her eyes. Uh, you you just kind of get the sense that like being a Jedi at this time, it's no longer this one Jedi that we're so used to. You know, like you're the last Jedi, you're the last hope, you're this, you're that. No, she's part of a bigger purpose. She's wanted this since she was probably old enough to think. And, you know, she's been training this her whole life and, and she's in this army now. It's it's this, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood. There's a bigger thing here. And you really get that sense here that she's connected to all these other Jedi, uh, which is which is what I really love. So I can't wait for this series to keep on going. And I am already instantly hooked. I am down with that. Uh, well, speaking of series and again, I. I, I click with this a lot more than I think. I feel like I did volume one, though I did read it. But the Darth Vader comic, this is issue nine, uh, dropped uh, kind of mid-month. Uh, we're returning, uh, we're, we're uh, going on with the story of kind of Vader trying to save his own ass with robot parts hanging off sideways. But mm-hmm. uh, the assassin returns in uh, in his search for vengeance in the depths of Mustafar. Darth Vader has seized the mysterious key to the Emperor's greatest secret. But the key needs a key. Well, of course it does. It's, you know, it's some cis <laughs> shit. So it's it's got to be, you know, tab A to slot B to cycle F, uh, which only the assassin Ochia Bastoon seems to have. 
Vader and Ochi are in the fight of their lives with the fate of the Emperor in the balance. Uh, but how much of this is Palpatine's plan? Palps always has a plan. Um, mm-hmm. What happens when the Sith Lord and the Sith Assassins start to figure that plan out? Um, again, I dig this. I, you know, and and uh, I know certainly w- uh, when reading uh, issue ten, uh, which was for this month, uh, that we're segueing into the Sith Wayfinder, which was obviously very pivotal to the plot line of the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, so I'm liking this because you're seeing Vader at his worst. I mean, he's lost his robot arm. He's lost one of his legs. He's got droids chasing him. They're shooting his ass up. He just he looks like ass. He's down, but in the <laughs> end of it. He figures out how to flip the script and still just crush it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is, you know, Anakin Skywalker, for better or for worse, is still, he's still the, he's like Ron Burgundy. He's still the balls. <laughs> Abs- I don't think he has balls. We just watched that movie like two yeah. years ago, man. That's very I mean, topical from here. I think those chestnuts roasted on the open fire. So, <laughs> um, but he's got, he's got nuts up in his, hanging out of his, hanging out of his eyeballs. He's tough as hell. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm digging this arc. I'm loving how it's not just the same. Well, Vader went to this place and he did this mm-hmm. thing. No, it's like, you know what? He's being hunted down by the baddest of the bad and he's still holding his own. So this is cool. I definitely want to see where it goes. Uh, cause into the next issue, he does, uh, move things forward, uh, into kind of the greater mystery. So I'm digging this title. I'm loving it. And again, yeah. this is, this is written by Greg Pak, who's one of the one of the big wigs uh, in Star Wars comic book writing. So I'm digging on it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, this was a great read. Again, that's uh, just a, we, we've talked about it the last couple of runs that we've we've read with this uh, this series, and it's you know just Darth Vader being a badass. And I love that one point. Uh, you know, Ochi gets some droid assassins to help him. And they're all hunting them down. And they're basically it comes out that they're saying they want Vader's parts because they think the Emperor put the best of the best. This is top Empire tech that's right. keeping Darth Vader alive. And they knock one little part off him and they're like, this is junk. This is garbage. Right. You're not special. What is special about you? Like, what is keeping you going? Like, what what is what are you made of? And. Like nothing is said, but you know, it's just like, I'm Anakin fucking Skywalker. And, uh, that's it. It doesn't matter what parts he's made of. He's literally, like you said, putting himself together with fallen off old droid parts. And he is still kicking so much ass with or without a lightsaber. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. This, this book was just fantastic. I mean, you flip the script. If that's his trial, like, hey, we're going to drop you on this planet and you're going to get cut up and torn up and you have to survive. And he does it. And then the end mm-hmm. of it, he 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 still manages to come out on top. That's really something. Yeah, really, really cool. Uh, so next up, slightly less badass, but still very fun. We have Dr. Afra number seven. Uh, so this one. It's called it's the offer. So uh, hired by Don Domina. I want to say tag. It could be Tage. I, I, I feel like it's I feel like it's tag. I always say tag when I see it. Tag? Yeah, right. tag. Right. yeah. Afra sets her sights on a mysterious piece of tech that could shift the balance of the galactic civil war. Her hunt takes her to Corellia and to Sanastara's doorstep. Rrr. 
Uh, oh, yeah. That's not in the official publisher. I, I added that. Uh, but Afra's not the only one on Corellia, Corellia with an eye on the tech. So uh, that that publisher summary does not give a great description of what happens here. So she visits an ex's place. There, She's trying to get, uh, yeah, basically this piece of tech that she needs. Um, and, and in true Afra style, she's lying to literally everyone. She's lying to her ex. She's lying to the person who her ex has to introduce her to, who, surprise, surprise, <laughs> she already knows and wouldn't have taken a, a meeting if she knew that Afra was there because Afra has double-crossed her, done something skeezy in the past. Uh, she gives her a trinket, which ends up not being a real trinket. And uh, she's. this is just Afra just being Afra, being the most amazing agent of chaos in the star Wars universe. And I'm all here for it. I love it. Hey, damn right. You see, it's a Chris Rock had a line in a routine. It says she lies so much. It's damn near a language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yes. So, or uh, as Dr. Affer wrote the freaking right. like dictionary for that I language. Call it the, I call it the language of the ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, I love this title. And again, Afra you know, has always been a, a favorite of, of my wife, April, I don't know. She can hear me out of earshot, so I probably shouldn't say anything. But I don't think she's been reading. Okay. She's not get attention. That's, that's good. No, it's 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 a good title. I enjoy it. And, yeah, you see Afra kind of scheming her way through. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I uh, love, love it on, you know, the titles that we talked about. But then we get to Bounty Hunters. And I've got to tell you, I was a little more keyed up about this when it started and I'm hoping that it, it kind of fights its way back. But right now, I'm, I'm kind of flat on it right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Current storyline is this is part two of the Terminus Gauntlet. And again, it feels so forgettable. I can't even really get rah-rah about it. So mm-hmm. uh, trapped, trapped on a rebel transport uh, under attack by pirates, uh, Valance must make a desperate gamble to survive. Little does he know he's on a collision course with his old rival, Dengar. So I'm like, we've got a rebel transport. Are we... Are we seeing anybody familiar? You know, it's kind of the double-edged sort of Star Wars. You don't always want it to be the same people, but you don't ever want to have no familiarity. So Dengar's at least something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, And a familiar face makes a shocking return in a plan that will change the underworld forever, yada, yada, yada. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, I hear bounty hunters, and I guess I feel like, I w- like I said, it's a double-edged sword. I would like to see more bounty hunters that we know, you mm-hmm. know, or I would like to see this gravitate towards having something to do with maybe characters we know from the Mandalorian because that would be cool and kind of topical and it's mm-hmm. not so it's not so far off because this is the Empire Strikes Back so it's about you know 10-ish years before the Mandalorian so you know can we get Din Djarin in this somewhere because you know he's been out there doing this that long so can yeah. we get some kind of tie-in or can we can we meet you know could this you know uh, you know could we meet Cara Dune this way could we meet Grief Karga this way or any of those other characters you know what I mean so like I said mm-hmm. it's a double-edged sword you don't want to be like oh everybody in Star Wars knows everybody but I think it's harder in a comic when it's you know 22 pages every 30 days that if you don't have that kind of hook it's a little harder to build up um, interest so I yeah I, I guess I would like to see and what I feel like would get me more engaged with this would be uh, potentially uh, seeing a little bit more familiarity uh, with the, with the characters that we're dealing with. Yeah, I think I think you're you're onto something there because yeah there is I mean you don't have to fully rely on it but throwing those little Easter eggs in or throwing if you're set in the time frame anyway like 
yeah, some bounty hunters are going to know each other. Could, could we get Din that's uh, just kind of starting out or just, you know, kind of cutting his teeth and, and show something, how he's bumbling his way through something that leads into how badass he is in The Mandalorian? Uh, I think one of the problems with for me with this uh, this this series is we've seen some really badass and very, very memorable bounty hunters before. And to throw someone new into that mix, I, I don't know. There's just something missing there for me that's just not as memorable as some of the other bounty hunters that we've met. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the, I think this is a title with that, that without a doubt needs a shot in the arm. Uh, especially yeah. when it's stacked up against, you know, four other comics this month that I thought were pretty solid. So who's to say, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. the deal with comics is that, you know, I've often found that 10 issues, 10, 10, 10 to 12 to 15 issues tends to be a breaking point. If something's not selling, it's going to mm-hmm. get the ax. So, you know, if, if other people feel the way that we feel about this title, it might not be around that long. So we, we mm-hmm. shall see. And then we'll have less to talk about. And wouldn't that be a bummer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, another one that's uh, kind of low on our list, but we, we've talked about this one before, that it's uh, this is the IDW published uh, Star Wars Adventures. So this is Smuggler's Run number two. This has been a story that's been kind of rehashed, but rehashed in the past but uh they're kind of aiming these comics at a younger audience which i think is great that's a, it's it's a great way if if you're introducing kids or younger people to uh to these characters in these stories then these comics are are fine but uh i think we can kind of uh after the battle of yavin han solo and chewbacca intend to use the reward to settle their debts uh but princess leia asked them to accept a secret mission for the resistance mortal dangers traitorous enemies and thorny situations mark the path of these two heroes of the star wars saga so again nothing we haven't really seen before but uh hey if you're digging this one that's great let us know because uh charlie and i haven't really been checking it out so that's uh that's comics so what we we touched on it your favorite star wars 10 yep i'm hanging in there with the the main title i feel like uh i feel like their kind of shift to develop new characters arm in arm with characters that we know and love is is really working out so i i'm engaged i'm excited you know episode 11 uh definitely kind of raised the bar uh, of what the hell's going to happen is this person going to live is this person already dead you know mm-hmm. And what's going to happen. So I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of white knuckling it. I'm excited about that one. So I For sure. look forward, look forward to talking more about it. Yeah. Mine, uh, my favorite, like I said, high Republic, number one, very close. It was a toss up between that and Vader nine, but, uh, I just, I, the, the, I don't know the high Republic, man, something's working for me. There's, uh, I'm excited about this new, uh, I don't know what we call it, push era, whatever it is, because there's there's comics, there's books. We're going to see it in a, in a second. There's a whole bunch more about this. Uh, mm-hmm. So I might as well jump in to Please. the first novel. Uh, this is The High Republic, Light of the Jedi. Uh, full disclosure, I am reading this right now. I am not completely finished with it. Uh, I'm working my way through. So I might spoil some stuff on myself while I'm <laughs> going through this. But uh, I've read enough of it to really get a sense of of kind of how it's going. Um, so this is, uh, again, this is, this is part of this big high Republic push. Uh, so 
I'm not going to, you know, read the long before the first order stuff anymore. Uh, but this is a golden age. Intrepid hyperspace scouts expand the reach of the Republic to the furthest stars. Worlds flourish under the benevolent leadership of the Senate and peace reigns enforced by the wisdom and strength of the renowned order of force users known as the Jedi. With the Jedi at the height of their power, the free citizens of the galaxy are confident in their ability to weather any storm. But even the brightest light can cast a shadow, and some storms defy any preparation. When a shocking catastrophe in hyperspace tears a ship to pieces, the flurry of shrapnel emerging from the disaster threatens an entire system. No sooner does the call for help go out than the Jedi race to the scene. The scope of the emergence, however, is enough to push even the Jedi to their limits. As the sky breaks open and destruction rains down upon the peaceful alliance they've helped to build, the Jedi must tr- trust in the Force to see them through a day in which a single mistake could cost billions of lives. Even as the Jedi battle valiantly against calamity, something truly deadly grows beyond the boundary of the Republic. The hyperspace disaster is far more sinister than the Jedi could ever expect. A threat hides in the darkness, far from the light of the age, and harbors a secret that could strike fear into even a Jedi's heart. Whew, man, big summary, but big book. Uh, This, yeah. So reading this alongside that first comic, uh, there's some stuff in the comic that I I think kind of happens towards the end or or kind of like after this book so i think this is like the first thing that you're really supposed to read but it doesn't really matter um but i i found this book very distracting for the first little bit before i kind of got into things uh and i'll explain why uh when i'm reading i like to visualize everything in my head I like to basically play a little movie for myself as I'm reading something and it can get very distracting for me when I'm trying to remember what species, which person is like, there's, there's a few species that like, you know, you say Wookiee and, and that's an easy one to, to think up. Uh, but there's some others that it's like, Oh man, what the hell do they look like again? And in the comic, when, you know, you, you don't need that description, you see Yoda walking in with something that looks like, a I don't know. A Wookie had a baby with a Darth ah, Maul or something like that. Did oh you see that Lord. thing? Like it's got like a Wookie with like spikes coming out of a head. I don't, I don't know what that was. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so that, you know, there's there's certain things like that that I'm like, okay. So in the comic, I really like that because obviously it's a visual medium. Uh, for this, I was finding myself like, <laughs> man, I wish they had little little sketches of people. And I'm reading this uh, through iBooks on my iPad. I don't know if like maybe the the actual novel has some sketches or something, but I doubt it. Um, but I, I could have used just, yeah, some like character sketches or something just to be like, right. hey, that's what this Jedi looks like. Hey, that's what this person looks like. Hey, that's, you know, what this um, whatever, right? Like it's, yeah, I don't, and, I don't know. And that's a tough one because if you really think about the fact that Star Wars prose as a, an ongoing like monthly publication, you know, the EU is really only about 25 years old. Mm-hmm. You really think, uh, well, no, it's closer to 30 years. Cause I think the, the Zahn trilogy came out and it was when I was in high school, 92, 93. So yeah, we're pushing 30 years, but uh, you know, I compare it to, again, a lot of things in my brain go back to talking about Star Trek. Those novels have been around they, that predated that by about 10 years. But again, they were referential to a lot of aliens 
that you had seen in films and episodes and, and ongoing episodes and the fact that there were only three Star Wars movies when that started, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to create a, a new look or whatever it is, you, you are really relying on what, what books are supposed to do best is to describe things and to have you build a picture in your mind where, you know, if I'm reading a, uh, a, you know, a Star Trek novel and they say, well, he, you know, blah, 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 came in and he was a Romulan and had pointed ears and or he was a Klingon and he had, he had dark skin and ridges on his forehead and big long hair and, and, you know, and, and smelled terrible. You would, I mean, you know what a Klingon looks like and smells like if you're mm-hmm. a Star Trek <laughs> guy, you know, but yeah, to say, oh, he was a Wookiee, yada, yada, this and that when he had, yeah, you're right. That's a distraction because you're trying to think about what we're referred to as such and such. And yeah, exactly. He's a, Blah blah blah, and that's not an yeah. established race. Uh, well, this is all new race, and it turns out they were extinct by the time of you know the the prequel trilogy because of this thing. Right. It doesn't really help. It, you're right. So it's creating a lot of working parts that mm-hmm. you can't necessarily quantify from something that initially comes from a visual medium where you're like, here's what a Wookiee looks like. Here's what a Rodian looks like. Here's mm-hmm. what you know. This is what. Yeah, like trend ocean, whatever like it is. Yeah, exactly. It's, it just, it kept like I, I was, and I guess luckily I was reading it on my iPad for the most part. So I was able to very quickly like flip over to a browser and, and quickly search this and go, oh, okay, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I'll build a, a picture based on, you know, what I found on Wikipedia or whatever. Uh, but that bit of the first few chapters, like taking me out of the, the novel and, and taking me out of that experience uh, but once I found my groove with this and, and you know, started to get a few characters in my head and started to kind of, you know, build this little visual image for myself while I'm reading, um, I really enjoyed this. Again, it was getting more into uh, we got some more stuff about building lightsabers and like how often the Jedi would just trade out their lightsabers. I mean, by the time we see the original trilogy, uh, lightsabers are pretty hard to come by. Uh, right. Don't, you and, know, and, and, and nobody's making them. You find one or and it's certainly uh really talked about in that or that that early uh arc the smuggler's moon in the in volume one of of modern where it would grack us the hut and he has the he wears all the lightsabers around his neck mm-hmm. or you know is that he's he's scrunt nobody's making them anymore because there's nobody to make them a jedi makes his or her or its own lightsaber and if there's no jedi there's not any new ones being made so yeah, yeah. but yeah it seems like you know, a, a lightsaber would be like a coat or a pair of shoes. You might have. That's that's basically it. Yeah, they, they you might have like, a couple. Yeah. Yeah, they said there are some Jedi's that, uh, some Jedi that that keep their lightsaber for a long time and they'll patch it up and they'll do this almost like what Ray did with the Skywalker saber. You know, you see it patched up and welded back together and whatever. Uh, in this one, there's some Jedi that have lightsabers that are like that that have have battle damage and whatever. And there's some that they reference. It's basically like, well, they just change it for aesthetics. You know, you're wearing a new outfit. You got some new robes. Well, it's time to change up my lightsaber and get something that fits a little bit more with my new style. Right. It's like, it's changing a pair of shades. The spring line, you know, exactly like, hey, <laughs> exactly. I'm not wearing these heavy robes because I'm going, I'm on Hoth or I'm on Tatooine. I'm going to have to break it out. You know, even in Starfleet, they have different uniforms depending on the era, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the much maligned wide variety of style in the first Star Trek movie, which came out in the late 1970s, they had all these weird varieties of jumpsuits. And I actually, I have one of the two-piece uniforms in my cosplay collection. But the other one I have is, and my friend Miranda hates it, is it's a short-sleeve V-neck deal. But I'm like, 
what if Captain Kirk is beaming down to the tropical planet? This one is wet. <laughs> soft, you know what I mean? But as like for that same set of uniform, they all had uh, they had like a, a landing party jacket that was like a mauve like tossover. Still, again, very seventies, but again, different outfits for different environments. So that, I mean, that part mm-hmm. of it makes sense. Anyway, but I digress. So that's cool. So you yeah. said you were about halfway through this deal. Are you, so you're yeah, a little bit more than half. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. Okay, so I'm what I'm going to do. I'm going to kind of. There are two other novels that subsequently uh, came out: A Test of Courage and The Great uh, Jedi Rescue. I'm going to kind of blow through these uh, publisher summary here because you, you've not you've not read it. I I'm not re- I've not read it. I'm still backlogged. I grabbed an audio book of the uh, we talked about it either last month or the month before the uh, From a Certain Point of View, The Empire Strikes Back. I grabbed the audio book. Uh, and I'm going to listen to that because I really liked uh, the one, and I didn't get all the way through it, but I really liked the um, a certain point of view from A New Hope because it's little it's little canon vignettes. And what was great about that one uh, from A New Hope is that one of the vignettes, and it just touched on it barely, established that B. Arthur's character from the holiday special is canon. Boom! That's amazing. You that blow your amazing. mind. I yep. feel like I discussed uh, that on the Great Disturbances podcast with Rich, <laughs> uh, our friend Rich. But yeah, that kind of blew their mind. But uh, yeah, so these uh, these two uh, before before you jump into it. Uh, so the Test of Courage is a junior novel, and the uh, the the Great Jedi Rescue is for young readers. So these are aimed at very different uh, age groups. So that's the this, this High Republic series. Uh, whether it's comics, novels, or again, they're they're going after the younger demographics with this stuff. So it might not be something that you and I are exactly into, but I actually looked at The Great Jedi Rescue to pick up to read to Finn because I have a bunch of Star Wars books like I Am a Wookiee, I Am a Jedi, I Am a Hero, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. He loves them. Uh, and I read those to him all the time. So I was I was trying to see if if this might be appropriate. Like um, the, the great Jedi rescue is only like 24 pages. Uh, it seems super cute for kids. I think it might be a little bit over his head right now, but, uh, if you have young kids, I think this one's the one to go. So yeah, tell us about these two. Very yeah. So just, just, just in brief, yeah, test of courage is, uh, uh, this is obviously within the same time frame. Uh, Vermestra wow has just become a Jedi knight at the age of 15, but her first assignment feels like babysitting, kind of the babysitter's club, right? She's been charged with supervising an 11-year-old aspiring adventure on a cruiser headed to a dedication uh, of the space station called Starlight Beacon, which we see in the comic that we read. But but into the journey, bombs go off aboard the cruiser, and while the Jedi try to save the ship, uh, Vernstra and Avon, Avon's droid J6, uh, a Jedi Padawan and Ambassador's son make it to an escape shuttle, but comms are out and supplies are low. They decide to land on a nearby moon, which offers shelter and much, much more. And unbeknownst to them, danger lurks in the forest. So a lot of high adventure. It seems like it would be a good click uh, for the kids. Probably, again, not too crazy. But this is, again, it's YA. So this is two mm-hmm. pages. It's longer. It's a fully fleshed out story as opposed to uh, the fact that you touched upon with uh, The Great Jedi Rescue, which is just 24 pages. So I would imagine kind of flip book style. Um, but yeah, it's a publisher summary. Simply meet the noble uh, and wise Jedi of the High Republic. When a disaster strikes in hyperspace, putting the people of Hetzel Prime in grave danger, only the Jedi and the High Republic can save the day. So that just seems very like 
boom, pow, big adventure. You know what I mean? So the, that's honestly seems to be taking the main events from the adult novel and putting them into 24 pages in a kid's book of like, Hey, right. something happened and the Jedi are going to save the day. And they, uh, so one, one thing from the, the, the main novel, like the light of the Jedi is we saw some cool force powers as well. And I'm, I'm guessing they touch on it in this book. Uh, but in, in that it's, you had one Jedi connecting all of the Jedi and using the combined force to move a massive object. So it was, uh, it, yeah, very, very cool stuff that, that again, I don't think we've seen in Canon, but it was in some legend stuff, I believe in a slightly different way. Uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, this is the, so some really, really cool stuff, even if you're getting it from uh, the great Jedi rescue. I'm sure, right. I'm sure there's some bits and pieces in there that are like, you know, bringing some new powers, bringing some new abilities, um, doing really kick-ass stuff at the, again, as the Jedi are seen at their peak. So right, um, exactly. no matter Which where is, you're coming, this is cool. Right. No, I totally love it. And that is something that I have admired, uh, about star Wars within the last, you know, the you know post 2012 oh, we're coming up on 10 years of basically of lucasfilm and disney uh where that continuity group is able to reach into the past and and take things from that extended universe which as you and i know is, is a hot mess there's so much yeah. of it, yeah. there's so much of it that's absolute garbage as opposed to it would be so great if over in Star Trek world, they would view the novels in the same way where I, I very clearly remember that one of the higher ups uh, in Star Trek back in the early 2000s or in the 90s, who's no longer with the franchise, essentially referred to people who read the novels as those people. Like, he really, <laughs> really, no, he really degraded wow. them as, a, as opposed to the fact that well, the people who enjoy reading these novels, it's basically it's all trash and we don't care. We don't care about you. It would be wow. great if they could reach back out and, and borrow from some of that tapestry. But again, nearer the twain shall meet. So anyway, um, yeah, that about does it for us. There were, you know, there's no ongoing television programs right mm -hmm. now. We're not likely to see uh, anything unless something pops out and, and bites us in the ass until we get to the end of the year with the book of Boba Fett, which was promised mm -hmm. to us. In December, uh, and there weren't any games that came out that I was aware of. What's the next game that's on the horizon that you're aware we're of? Not, we're not really sure. Uh, that's the thing with, with these new announcements uh, with with Lucasfilm games that we talked about last time was, uh, you know, we're, we're probably going to get some new game announcements this year. And we got the tease of, you know, this studio is doing this big open world game. And, no, oh, this studio is still working on something, but we're not quite sure. So I'm going to guess maybe a little bit further down the line, probably in the summer around the, you know, uh, for any people to follow games, E3 used to be a big thing. I don't know if it's coming back this summer, but there are some other things that are kind of taking its place. And that's when the big announcements happen. So I'm going to guess it's going to be a little bit, but you never know. The way things are now, some game publishers will just, hey, it's a random Tuesday and we're dropping Jedi Fallen Order 2 teaser trailer on you and you're getting it this fall. Like that could happen tomorrow, uh, but most likely we'll hear about some stuff a little later. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Well, that is it for our program. Uh, thank you as always for joining us. Uh, this program is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcast network uh, encompassing of this lovely program where we talk about star wars co-op mode where mark talks with my friend 
Todd Oxra about video games on a bi-weekly basis. Code 47, that's weekly myself and my buddy Alex Terry talking about Star Trek. And then every Friday you will hear Todd Oxra and I uh, over on the Secret Friends Unite quote-unquote prime podcast where it's just kind of your general consumption of geek and pop culture. Uh, now, uh, now is seven and a half years running. We are, we are bad. Yes. We are, st- we are still out here doing it. So, uh, we have a great, uh, Facebook page. Hit us up. We would love to have you join us. We're over on Twitter at secret friends. You, we made the decision recently to fold back in our individual Twitter handles, just back into secret friends. Cause we want to really focus our activities, uh, Twitter related to just the single handle. So consider secret friends. You, that would be the letter U as the spot where you, you certainly can reach out to us about this mm-hmm. program or, or any of the other ones. So we would love to, uh, have you jump on, listen to any one of our shows, uh, jump on your, you know, podcasting service of choice. If it's, uh, if it's Apple podcasts, if it's the Google play store, rate us five stars, uh, I would say or better, but there is no or better. It's just five stars. Uh, and we do have a uh, five stars and a review. That five stars and a review. Exactly. Uh, and we do have a cavalcade of prizes uh, that we can share with you for some of that love. So hit us up. Finally, we do have a recently revamped uh, Secret Friends Unite store over on Public. Uh, this is an opportunity to get your hands on merchandise like T-shirts, hoodies, stickers, notebooks, pillows, wall art, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, do keep in mind proceeds from that store do actually benefit uh, a charity that my wife and I belong to here in Michigan uh, called the League of Enchantment, which does outreach uh, for kids uh, across the country, but certainly here in the state of Michigan, hospital visits and things of that nature. So please uh, hit us up uh, mm-hmm. and show your love for your favorite secret friends podcast uh and that's a wrap one more time thank you for joining us i'm going to tell you as always that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking and before i go i've been wrapping up this show saying rex play us out and charlie you pointed out last time that i don't think anyone has any bloody clue who rex is so do you want to like we'll stop and talk about that for two seconds uh so so rex and, and anyone that does know uh is is um yelling at me right now i guess but uh so rex is uh r3x better known as rex he is a droid uh who right now lives at galaxy's edge in batu uh he works as the dj in oga's cantina but was originally um the droid that kind of led you into star tours in in disney um so that he's been replaced there uh, but as you walk into Batu, into Galaxy's Edge, um, you'll see this wreck and uh, a little bit of like stuff heading in a certain direction, and that's uh, Ogus Cantina. So Rex uh, plays as you have uh, a couple of drinks in Ogus Bar, uh, which I did, and I have a couple of pictures of myself hanging out as Rex played some remixes. Uh, so that is why you hear one of Rex's remixes at the end of the show, and I always say Rex, play us out. Because uh, I just think that's uh, that's really fun. And Rex has been, um, man, I think he was in a, a Rebels episode too. Uh, really? And also, yes, and he was voiced by Paul Rubens. Oh, P- yes, Pee Wee Herman himself. <laughs> that does sound familiar. Well, thank you for obviously putting that in the appropriate context. So There we I go, like yes. So now, now you know a little bit more canon about the end of this show and uh, – I'm going to I'm going to leave it at that so may the force be with you and Rex play us out. <laughs> <laughs>